This Beyond the Curriculum podcast series explores the book Ungrading, Why Rating Students Undermines Learning and What to Do Instead. Through the end of December, you can pick up a copy on the West Virginia University Press website for 30% off the paperback price using the code P-O-D-T-A-L-I-H-E. Again, that's P-O-D-T-A-L-I-H-E. Details are found in the show notes on beyondthecurriculumpodcast.com. What does it mean to be truly educated? Well, when I think about being truly educated, I would say being educated means being able to put things in context, understanding how things are connected. A lot of learning in school is very disconnected, so that means the education part is really up to you. You need to be able to connect the dots into something bigger, something meaningful and important to you. That's Dr. Laura Gibbs. Laura is a professor of humanities at the University of Oklahoma, teaching mythology and folklore online, challenging her students to develop higher order Bloom's taxonomy, along with 21st century skills, as they explore the content of her courses. Laura contributed a chapter to the book, Ungrading, Why Rating Students Undermines Learning and What to Do Instead. Her chapter is titled, Let's Talk About Grading. Throughout this series, I will be interviewing the contributors to this book to help gain a better understanding of what ungrading is and how it can be applied. In this episode, Dr. Gibbs will discuss how ungrading is a natural fit for teaching online and how she challenges her students to create and think critically in a virtual environment. This is the second episode of a six-part series where you will hear from the chapter authors themselves who will help us dive deeper into their ideas about assessment and its impact on teaching and learning, allowing us to go beyond the curriculum. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your chapter? Uh, what inspired you to write it? Well, I've been ungrading for a really long time. I started ungrading back when I started teaching online. That was in the year 2002. So I've had a lot of experience. I know for most people, ungrading is something new. So I was really glad to have the opportunity to share what I've learned. I've got a system that works really well for me, and I'm hoping it can work well for other people in other contexts. The great thing about this book is that there are contributions from different teachers in different contexts. And so I hope everyone can find something useful in the book. So um, you start your chapter off with uh, your dissatisfaction of grading. What led you to your understanding of grades being uh, problematic? Well, I, I teach writing, and even back in graduate school, I was teaching uh, first-year composition classes, and just personally, I agonized over every grade I put on every paper. It just never felt right reducing a student's work to just a, a letter and a number. Um, and so for me, giving up grades was easy. Grades just got in the way of what I wanted to do as a teacher. Um, now, you talk about in your chapter this uh, feedback-focused uh, classroom. Um, could you provide an example of how you provide feedback to your students? Because you are in an online setting. You have been since 2002. 
Um, so yeah, would you would you please describe something like that? Right. Well, it's you know for teaching writing online is really a natural because all my interactions with the students are in writing. My students use blogs and they create websites. And the way I give them feedback is actually just very simple because once again, you know, I was using tools uh, uh, different than what we have now, simpler. Uh, I just copy and paste the text out of uh, whatever work they're turning in for the week, usually a web page. Just copy and paste the text into a text file, and I insert comments in that text file, and then I just paste it into an email. You know, so my assumption is a, mm. a really simple, really vanilla approach that works on whatever device they're using, whatever kind of email program. You know, I know there are a lot of options now with things like Google Docs or annotations using the LMS, but I just use a simple text, plain text basis for sending back comments to students. And I sent back abundant comments. And that's my goal. You know, grades always seemed really reductive. Whereas I type fast, right? I can send lots of comments to students. Mm -hmm. So that's how I spend most of my time each week actually is sending feedback to students. I don't present content. I don't give lectures. Instead, I just respond to the students and what they share with me. You said that you don't lecture, but you provide comments most of the time. How do you find time throughout your day to provide quality feedback to your students while keeping your own personal time? Well, and that's the great thing about teaching full-time online, which a lot of people have found themselves doing now during the pandemic, but it was um, uh, uh, less common before. I get up in the morning and I have a stack. I call it the stack of, of student projects to read and respond to, and that's basically what I do all day long. You know, the content in the course is set up before the course even begins. The students are exploring the content, reacting to it, creating their own written responses, written production, and I just spend all day reading and responding to what they do. It's incredibly stimulating. So um, I, it's something that that I enjoy. And I've got about 100 students uh, each uh, semester across my classes. And each student is getting individual feedback from me each week. Plus, they're getting feedback from other students in the class. So it's a very feedback, abundant, feedback-rich environment, which I think is what people need to learn. I think that's how we learn is is from feedback. Now, you talked about, uh, you just mentioned that you use uh, peer feedback. How do you facilitate that um, within an online uh, environment? That That's something we work on for a few weeks at the beginning of class, because for most students, that's something new, and it's something that they're a bit nervous about, right? Because you're nervous about things that are new, things mm -hmm. you haven't done before. So I have something that I call a feedback boot camp that we do for four weeks at the beginning of the semester, where I have articles for them to read and reflect on about getting feedback, what it's like to receive feedback, how to give feedback, uh, different kinds of strategies they can use. Uh, sometimes it really helps to have a kind of feedback routine um, as you respond to someone's written work, especially creative work. And so we learn about that, we practice, and it's really been only in uh, around the week five of the semester that they start giving feedback to each other. But that works out great because that's also when their projects have started to take shape. So it's time, you know, for them to start giving each other feedback. And it's a great part of the class. Honestly, they're, they're curious about how to do this well, because not so much in school, but often in their workplaces, they either have to give feedback to other employees or receive feedback. And, and that can be a stressful situation for them. So giving them some routines and ways to think 
positively about feedback is is an important part of the class. Hmm. Now, you know, you've been doing this a long time, and uh, you've been doing it teaching mythology and, and writing. Um, but how might this be used in other content areas, such as science, math, history? Right, and that's that's what I meant about feedback being so important for learning. You know, I I um, use a lot of materials from the the movement, the field of study that is called sometimes growth mindset, and the idea mm-hmm. of learning from mistakes and and creating new connections and pathways in your brain as you learn from mistakes, creating new habits for learning. And so that's something that, you know, obviously applies to writing. Writing is something you're never done learning, right? You never finish with that. Even, even professional writers have editors who help with them, who help them with their, their writing. And that same process applies to any kind of discipline, right? That, that students are going to make mistakes and they need help to learn from mistakes and how you, you find those mistakes and how you provide the feedback. It varies a lot. You know, in math and science, you can make good use of things like quizzes. I would just urge people not to have the quizzes be for a grade. Instead, have the quizzes be a learning process, which means the really important thing is not getting a grade and saying, oh, I did well or did poorly, but figuring out what kind of feedback your students need to do better on that quiz or one like it that they do next time. You know, it's an iterative process that looks forward. Some people even use that great phrase, feed forward, instead of feedback. Mm -hmm. If you look at... um, just Google feed forward, you'll find someone named Marshall Goldsmith who's put out some great videos and written materials about how to think about feedback as a feed forward process. My students really like that phrase. A lot of them just start saying feed forward instead of feedback. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, Laura, I've been inspired by the work that you do. And uh, me teaching a mythology class, um, I have kind of modeled uh, some of the things that I do. Or, now in my classroom off of what you do. And I now am having my seniors creating websites, um, be, you know, on, on the cult, on the, uh, mythologies of, of specific cultures. And it's been a lot of fun to watch my students grow through that. So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the book, I, I have some questions about that. Um, what are your favorite chapters in the book and why should listeners pick up a copy? Well, one thing I'll say about the book, well, there are two things that are really cool and different about it, I think. First of all, is that it has K through 12 and higher ed people writing and sharing their experiences. I think that's so important and we don't have enough books like that. So that's one thing about the book in general. Another thing about the book in general is that the contributions are really short and that it was done so purposefully, right? Um, people like me love to go on and on and on about what we do. Most teachers love to go on and on about what they do, but we were told to keep our, our pieces short. So there's room for a lot of different voices there in the book. Um, and in terms of pieces that I really like, one of the things that's super exciting is that Alfie Cohn wrote the foreword to the book. And he's been a hero of mine for literally decades, you know, and if people haven't read his book, Punished by Rewards, it is a fundamental, important book on grading. It's really critical, absolutely deeply critical of grading, but also inspiring, you know, what we can do if we go beyond grading. So there's a, a new piece that Alfie Cohn wrote for this book. And then in terms of a, a piece that really spoke to me that, that impressed me a lot is there's one by John Warner, who's a college writing instructor. And so I know him as a college writing instructor. 
his story with ungrading is really different from mine um, because he struggled with it. And he really shared that very openly in the chapter, the different phases he went through in terms of coming up with ungrading procedures that worked for him and worked for his students. And I forget exactly what the title of the essay is, but it's got Wiley Coyote in there. And you all know what it's like to be Wiley Coyote, right? And so I thought it was just great that he was able to share that. My experience is that you know, I leaped into ungrading. I never looked back. I came up with just really by luck, a good process for me from the start. But John really struggled and he shares that in the chapter. And I think that could be really helpful and inspiring for people who've maybe tried ungrading and had some frustrations or, or aren't feeling confident about where to go. You know, he shows you that that it's okay if it doesn't work exactly the way you want it first. It's worth it to, to keep go in with the process and get to where you want to be. Yeah, I absolutely love John's chapter also. It's um, tying in the Wiley Coyote, uh, both made it fun and funny to read, but also, like like you mentioned, his struggle also made it very compelling too. So, um, so what are some resources that you would recommend to listeners who are interested in um, in in being more feedback focused in their classrooms? Well, and and that's something where it comes down, I think, to time, you know, because you asked how, how do I get the time and, and give feedback to all the students. I would really recommend designing assignments where you think, what are the students going to do? What is the time that the students are going to spend? But also, what is your feedback contribution going to be and how much time do you have for feedback? Um, I don't know if you know this, Erin, but next semester is actually going to be my last semester teaching. I'm retiring. And one of the things mm, that I'm going to be... Good for you. Well, I'm, I'm so excited because I finally found my niche as a writer working with something called microfiction, right? I'm writing these 100-word mm. stories now. I've written several books of them that I'm putting out as OER for teachers to use. My goal is absolutely to reuse and remix. And, and one of the things about writing really short pieces, you know, just 100 words say for a story is that you can give feedback on it very quickly you know so I would really urge teachers to think about shrinking down what you're asking the students to do so that you can give feedback on what they're doing that you actually have time for it so you you might not have time for 33 page essays but do you have time for 30 100 word stories you might Mm-hmm. And so um, I've got a teacher's guide for the hundred word stories that I've been working on and all kinds of materials and and I'm just getting started, right? So after I retire, it's what I'm going to be working on full time. And I'd love to connect and share with others who are interested in micro assignments, micro fiction, micro writing, just to see what we can come up with. For me, it's been really useful making sure in advance that I'm going to have time to give students the feedback they need to really learn from what they've done. I love that idea. And as a teacher of writing, I'm thinking, gosh, 100 word um, pieces would be fun to write. And and how challenging is that for our students um, to sit there and um, debate on what stays in and what goes out? Um, I do something similar where they have to write uh, 300 word arguments for why such and such Greek God is the greatest among them. And they struggle with that. Um, And so I can imagine how much uh, critical thinking would go into uh, a 100 word piece of fiction. And and one of the things that I loved about it, because I started doing this just uh, 
this past year because of my dad. It's a long story, but the students really got into it when I said, why don't we do this together? And one of the best things for me is not just the writing of it, but the revision process that goes with 100 word stories. Because when you go to revise a longer piece of writing, it's kind of exhausting to pay attention mm -hmm. to every sentence. But with a 100 word story, going in there and carving out maybe 10 words that are fluff words that you can get rid of and use for something else, it makes the revision process so much more doable. And that's the real discovery for me, you know, because the most important part of, of writing is really the revising. And with my students revising longer pieces, they need my help. They just can't sustain that revision attention from start to finish without some help. But they can revise these 100-word stories really on their own because I can give them a sort of checklist. Here are the things you should do. And they can really keep that attention focused for 100 words to do those things, the hard work that you have to do when you revise mm -hmm. and question every word. So I'm, I'm really excited for the possibilities. I wish I discovered this earlier in my teaching career, but, but better late than never, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun and I'm going to definitely be using that in my classroom. I'm excited about it and I'm looking forward to your materials coming out on it. We'll have to bring you back to uh, talk about that when you get that done. Oh, I would love to. And it's it's online right now. I've got five books that I've done so far. It's at 100words.lauragibbs.net. And I'll, I'll make sure to send the link to you, Aaron. I've, I've got a new book that's coming out literally this weekend on stories of a Nancy, the spider trickster mm. from Caribbean sources. And that's something I had so much fun writing. So I really hope people will enjoy reading it and maybe using the stories in their classrooms. Grades and grading are relatively new concepts to education and are antithetical to authentic learning. It is important for educators to understand their impact on both students and on teachers. Quite often, grades shackle teachers to make them feel like they have to coerce students to learn the material, when in fact our creativity and our ability to build relationships are what drives teaching and learning. This is a lesson Dr. Laura teaches us. For more information about Dr. Gibbs and the book, visit beyondthecurriculumpodcast.com and check out the show notes. In the next episode of Beyond the Curriculum, we will hear from Dr. Christina Katapotis and Dr. Kathy Davidson as they discuss their chapter, Contract Grading and Peer Review. If you enjoy this program, be sure to hit the subscribe button as you want to catch each and every episode. And remember to leave a rating and review. I appreciate your support and it helps others find the show. Beyond the Curriculum is part of the Teachers Going Gradeless network. Please consider partnering with us through the Teachers Going Gradeless Patreon page. Your donation will help offset the cost of producing this podcast and bring more meaningful opportunities that take learners beyond the curriculum.